Welcome to the PMPA Speaking of Precision podcast, featuring your hosts, Carly Kistler-Miller and Miles Free. Hello, I'm Miles Free, and welcome to PMPA Speaking of Precision, Monday with Miles podcast. Carly Kistler-Miller has joined me today, and we are going to discuss my testimony today at the USITC regarding the negative economic impact of the Section 232 steel and aluminum tariffs. Welcome, Carly. Well, thank you, Miles, and I think we need to welcome you because I know you have been holed up in your office for the last two days working on this testimony, and then you were on the on the testimony, what, it was a Zoom call or something it's, like that? It started, uh, it was a WebEx. It started at 8.30, and at 2.30, at actually at, at a couple minutes to two, it broke for lunch. And I can tell you, he came into my office, flopped into the chair, <laughs> and couldn't finish a sentence. And let me tell you, for Miles to not be able to finish a sentence, it <laughs> tells you, you you have to explain. I'd love to know, too, what, what and why and how and what happened. Well, I was so vulnerable, I couldn't even finish a sentence. So you said, well, let's go make a podcast. I did. I said, hey, let's get it while it's fresh and you're such a trooper. So, so here we are. And clearly, from the point of view of our members, from the point of view of the men and women that manufacture products from steel, and from aluminum, the Section 232 tariffs have had a profoundly negative effect. We can't get steel. The prices of steel are inflated. It's well above what the competitors in China pay, what the people in Europe pay. Um, I mean, we're at a terrible disadvantage. And so it should be pretty easy to just talk about that impact on our industry. But the fact of the matter is that our industry isn't the only one there. And one of the witnesses that I heard testify was from the Forging Institute. And I'm just going to give you a couple of facts from his testimony that are just, they're just so grave and profound, it just makes you wonder what's going on. So there's like 25,000 forgings on an airplane. Wow. Okay. Okay. 50% of all the forgings in the world come from China. Okay. The U.S., Canada, and Mexico, according to this witness's testimony, account for 8% of the world's forgings. Wow. 8%, that's it. 8%. China has built 50% of the forging sales capacity, clearly, you know, a disproportionate share. Yes. So while it's black and white for him, it's black and white for me, yeah. for our, our members, uh, I, I really have newfound respect for these pure, poor bureaucrats who have to decide from all these conflicting stories. The aluminum people... They testified all morning, and by golly, if it wasn't for the 232s and the 301s, there would be no domestic aluminum industry, according to these guys. Really? Really, that 
without this, and, and by the way, if we don't get a national energy policy, we won't be able to make aluminum again. I'm like, really? Really? I mean, what happened to capitalism, right? Right. But, but like I said, it's, it's never that simple. And so they were able to make a, a case in their testimony why these tariffs were important, why they helped. And, and you know, I'm there trying to just get settled and grounded, ready to talk about the perspective from our industry. And just wave after wave of all these conflicting facts. I mean, it was, my mind's a mess right I now. I could say, you're still not finishing a Fine. sentence, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so well, let me back up for a second. What, who were you testifying to, U.S.? International Trade Commission. Wow. Yeah, so the director, the secretary, and then the commissioners were all on a WebEx, and then there's, I don't know if there were 57, there was a whole bunch of witnesses. I don't know how many of us were all on, but we were muted and cameras off until it was our time to testify. And partner, or Franklin Partnership, they organized this? Franklin Partnership was there to support the their clients. Okay. And PMPA is one of their clients, and Omar Nashashibi and the team did a great job helping us prepare our comments, make sure that we had facts and not just opinion, you know, not just a weather report, you know, tariffs bad. Of course they're bad, but unless they're good, right? <laughs> I mean, Let's it's, find sub out. it's subjective. Right. And I, I'm just, I'm glad I went into engineering and science because <laughs> this, I've been, I've been doing this work and I thought it was pretty clear, but after today, I'm just, well, I'm a mess. Well, <laughs> okay, so let's record the mess. Now, um, all right, so you testified. You had a time limit, right? Uh, eight minutes. Eight minutes. Did you stick to your eight minutes or you I, didn't have a choice? I didn't get the landing right. <laughs> <laughs> you ran a little short. The, the first eight minutes were great, but uh, about 30 seconds after, I still had a paragraph of to go, and I just graciously gave up the mic so well yeah government work. you know if i hadn't had if i hadn't convinced them by then the last few bullet points weren't really gonna seal the deal weren't gonna do it so are you willing to share your testify with listeners absolutely so the point the point that i tried to make i, I tried to make a couple points and the first one was that without available materials, without availability of steel or aluminum, our shops can't even make parts. So while everyone else testifying is talking about price, 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 and the tariff raises the price 25%, the aluminum is up 10%, they're, they're worried about price, they're worried about cost, and the impact on our shops has been we can't get material. At any cost. At any cost. And nobody sets up their machine based on price. Oh, that's a good way to look at it. Nobody, hey, here's a low price. Oh, let me set up my machine. Yeah. When can I get the material? <laughs> October. That's going to be a very bored machine. Yeah. Between July, August, September till October. No one wants to see a sitting machine. So availability 
is, is really the impact that these tariffs had because up until these tariffs, we had a market where price discovery worked, yeah. where if, if you had a need, you'd pay the price and you'd, you'd find the material. But once these tariffs were installed, all of a sudden the market is kind of closed off. There's a barrier to outside and now the prices are protected by 25%. And then there's no real incentive to make the difficult or the more expensive stuff to make when you can just maximize your income by just making the stuff you want to make. Right. So, so much for price discovery, so much for market, mm-hmm. you know, service. So that was, that was one of my points on behalf of our industry. It's an incredibly valid point. Yeah. So, you know, what was the impact of 232? <laughs> we can't get the material we need when we need it. And as a result, the prices becomes desperation, right? Right. I mean, look at, look at our members' activity. Our members' sales activity are incredible because the supply chain disruptions have destroyed all planning. And so now everything is an emergency. Everything is a dispatch the fire department. Nothing is, well, I'll just pick it up on my way home, honey. <laughs> right. Because you, you can't plan. You don't know when you're going to get the material. You don't know when you're going to get who knows what else. 80, over 80%, you know. Thank you, Wilfredo Pareto, right? Over 80% <laughs> of respondents to our survey said they were impacted substantially or, you know, at, at least seriously by in a bell in a long lead times you see i'm still i know kind of, yeah. i know it's like ah. it's okay it's nice to know you're human got Miles, my last I gotta nerve, tell you that. right yeah. <laughs> so what else did you tell them well so the the point that i tried to make was if the the goal of the section 232 tariffs was to substantially increase the supply of steel and aluminum in the u.s right if that's is that was right? It's going to protect us strategically. Uh, they didn't do it. <laughs> At least not the stuff we need. Right. From not our perspective, need, I mean, mission failed. We we had a member had to fly steel in. Fly steel. Fly steel in. Fly steel in. Every steel time in. you mention that, it just my mind yeah, scrambles. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. The, so that's the impact, right? So if the goal was to incentivize reshoring of the parts that we make with steel and aluminum. Uh, I think it actually kind of went the other way. Yeah. That's what I think. All right, so in your short eight minutes, were you able to tell them anything else? That's, that's really a great question, Carly. Uh, you know, I, it was important for me to explain the importance of what it is our members do. I mean, it's just, you know, it's just a few machine shops, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? I can see where they think that. <laughs> right? I mean, we're, it's not like we're a big company. Right. You know, 55,000 people, you know, between U.S. Steel and Nucor, right? Right. Well, guess what? There's 100,000 employees in our NAICS code, 332721. So I shared that. that Good. That, you know, just our little end-user industry or mid-user industry, supply chain industry, is double the two largest steel 
people that are being protected and making a great profit. So, right. So, got that's a into great that. perspective to yeah. give them. Yeah, I talked about our payrolls. Those those hundred thousand people. That's five billion in payroll. <laughs> and guess what? They pay income tax. That's right. And and <laughs> and, and, and and guess what? Nineteen billion is the value of our shipments. Wow. And the point that I tried to communicate was that no car drives, no plane flies, right? No medical procedure happens, right? Without parts that our people made, the electrical system, the plumbing system. I mean, it's just modern. I mean, you watch TV, watch TV, watch a golf, watch, watch a doggone golf tournament and that follow shot of that golf ball going up in the air is because there's somebody made a shaft on a fluid head for that TV camera so they could follow the, the ball. I mean, you can't even watch TV without our parts having been part of the production. So I'm glad you pointed that out because it is easy for people to take for granted the parts that our, our shops make. Right, right. Just, you know, no, yeah. big, no big deal. So uh, the other thing that I tried to point out was that buying steel, it's not a matter of, it's, price is important, but it's not really the determining factor. Uh, you know, a lot of our listeners will probably say, they won't do this on beer, but on soda, they'll say, well, ah, Coke's on sale, I'll buy Coke. Oh, C Pepsi's on sale, I'll buy Pepsi, right? Most most people, a lot. Yeah, I mean, there's a few diehards, but like me, most yeah. people, you know, <laughs> hey, this is cheaper. I'll get it. It's cheaper this week. I'll pick it up. Right. Okay. You're putting anti-lock brake parts into Ford Motor Company. You're not switching steel suppliers. That's true. You've got an 18-month to two-year process called the PPAP, right? Uh -huh. Pre-production approval process to get all the ducks lined up in a row to approve the steel, approve the process, approve its farm fit function, get everything signed off. And by the way, it's hard to get sign offs because nobody wants to be responsible. And now the government says, by the way, you can no longer use that because that's a different source. So now because of this tariff, you need to use that. Yes, yeah, you can't pivot on that. No pivot, right? No right. pivot, just, you know, pay, 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 just pay. pay. Just pay. Pay and pain, pay and pain. Yeah, and, so, and then I'm sure that gets passed along to the consumer and then... Well, you know, that's, that's the interesting thing. So one of the things that I was kind of part of and, and overheard and still confused about is, so who is really paying this tariff? So the tariff is supposed to be there to, for the foreign prices producers to pay, right? make the foreign material more expensive, mm -hmm. but the companies in China aren't paying the tariff. Oh, that's true. They're not, you know, right. it, just, it comes in, there's a, a bill on it, and whoever the American, the catcher is, right? They, right. They, they pay the tariff, it now it comes in, now they produce, now they sell it to the next warehouse or service center or, or company. And they pay higher prices, and then they sell that part that they made with higher prices to. Oh so my who gosh. paid? Who paid 
the tariff. Did they come up with an answer? Well, I did. Yeah. I, I did in my head. The Americans, the American yeah. consumers, paying. Well, so the the question was asked. Well, who's paying? Who's paying these higher prices? And people were saying, Well, nobody's paying higher prices. Well, the American economy's paying these prices. Yeah. And by golly, the, the the end user who buys the thing that has the part that we made that came from the material that was affected by the tariff whether or not it was foreign sourced or not, because as soon as the tariffs were issued, the domestic prices went up. Sure. Because there's- Supply and demand. No, no, <laughs> no. No competition. No cheaper competition. Right. So we're all paying it. So what's that sound like? What does that sound like to you? I don't know. It sounds to me like the sanctions we just put on Russia. Ah. <laughs> uh. Okay. <laughs> You can't have it. You can't have it. And by the way, you know, what? I, I'm going to put an economic embargo on the American consumers by, you get to pay more, 25% more for aluminum, 25% more for steel. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that backfired. So um, what, did I, what did I say? Uh, we did a survey in December of last year. One in five of our members reported having their steel or aluminum supply reduced. Ooh. Okay, so their order entry is kind of being throttled. Right. Okay, so again, if we can't get material, we can't make parts, right? No. So availability. Our customers want price, but no availability. <laughs> Who cares what the price is, right? 35% right? reported delivery delays of at least two months. Ooh. at least two months compared to pre-COVID. So right. no excuse with the COVID, right? Right. But here's the thing. So for steel, I have a steel background. Yes. In the rolling mill, we start at the high end. We get the tons out, right? So we make the bigger sizes. Then incrementally, we change the size of the rolls, the product down, and make the next smaller size, then the next small. And then by the end of, I don't know, 20 days to, you know, by the end of the month, we're down making the real tiny stuff, and but we've already made our big tonnage, so now yeah. we're just filling it up. But there's like a 20 to 24-day cycle. You're always going to be at least 20 days away from the next rolling. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So when I say a two-month delay, <laughs> it's on top of a 20-day tack time. Wow. Okay. So now you're now you're limited to four inventory turns a year at best. I can see this ripple effect. Yeah, yeah, I'm a mess. I, I, this is, you're <laughs> I, I totally justifying I'm the mess. mess. I'm a mess. So there's an exclusion process. It doesn't work for us because we need exclusion on entire classes of material, not a single part. Oh, is that what the exclusion yeah, is Yeah, so it's really, really difficult. We don't have any standing. We don't import material. We buy material. We, you know, how much material do you have to have for a mill order, let alone a container on a boat? Oh. You know? Yeah. Not it. <laughs> so the other point that I raised that I thought was really important and got total snooze <laughs> hmm. from the commissioners 
was the whole point of these tariffs. Remember, this was supposed to be for our national security. Right. And for our national security, we needed our steel industry to be up above 80% capacity. Do you remember that? I do. Yeah. National security, 80% yeah. capacity. Here's your quiz. Uh-oh. When did we achieve 80% capacity in the steel industry since the tariffs? Now, the tariffs were put in, what, 2017? I think so. 2017. I've lost yeah, track. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, never? 2018. September 2018, the steel industry hit 80% capacity. Oh, my God. Guess what it is last week? What? 84.4%. Hello? Hello? <laughs> are we feeling cozy with our national security? Yeah. The, the shareholders are. Oh, I'm sure. The shareholders are really feeling cozy. They're secure in their profits. Definitely. Where's the steel? <laughs> it's three months away. At least. Where's the stainless steel? <laughs> it's on an airplane coming over from oh, Europe. an airplane. Right. Wow. Right. So the other things I talked about were there's certain materials that just aren't sourceable here. Yeah. Commercially, 6262A, some non-leaded aluminum grades, you know, just nope, can't do it. Leaded steel is a particular issue for our members. If it's highest quantity, if it's high complexity, if you need a finish, if you need Mechanical properties, but need the cold work afterwards. High volumes, 12, 12L14 is probably your go-to grade. Use it in military, commercial, all kinds of applications. Only one company in the entire country is licensed by the EPA, has a permit by the EPA to melt, cast, roll, leaded steel. One company. One company. I used that's to work there. The source. The that's, source. That's the source. They cannot possibly, cannot possibly fulfill the need for all the lead in this country. And the reason I know that is leaded steel accounts for roughly one-third of the foreign steel that our industry uses. Well, yeah, that's telling. Right? That's telling. So one-third of all our imported steel that we use is leaded. And why do we import it? Because we can't get it domestically but we get to pay the tariff on every bit of it. Every bit of it. And because the price of the domestic product is elevated because the tariff price is elevated. Right. So Cause and effect. Yeah, yeah. So, and I know this is a different discussion, but how is that one company not considered a monopoly? Yep, another discussion. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Who knows? Well, There's the, some exception, the, right? The, the product, you know, semi-finish comes in. Other companies can roll it. It can come in as hot roll. I mean, they have the lock on domestically melting, casting, rolling. But once it's hot roll, hot roll can come in at at the 25% tariff. Ouch. And that's coming in from our allies, like Great Britain, England, right? England. Yeah. We consider them kind of allies, right? Yes. We bring in leaded steel from England. Germany. 
You know? Sure. You know? Yeah. At yeah. a cost. Yeah. At it a cost that, that they don't good have steel. to pay. Good steel. No. We no. have to pay. We, we pay. We pay. We pay. So I'm curious. I, you listen to a lot of testimony, and you started off this podcast talking about just hearing conflicting things. Are you willing to share some of the other arguments or uh, testimony that you heard? Well, you know, I there's you can get the whole transcript, and I pity anybody who tries to to wade through that. Uh, but you know, the tubing and pipe producers testified. And it was compelling. I mean, the the huge amount of share that China had, and they've been able, these tariffs have protected them, and they've been able to reinvest and have reinvested and are making the pipe and tubing that's needed for infrastructure, for utilities, for carbon, you know, remediation, all this. I mean, we want to support our industries, but at the same time, you know, Picking winners is painful. That's interesting. So, you know, if they're willing to make exceptions for parts, maybe they need to make an exception for our industry. It does affect a lot of people, and it affects everybody when you get into, you know, our parts are in everyday things that we use. But if they could make an exception for our tiny little industry so that we could make this big yeah. impact. So so that's that's interesting. So... Uh, one of one of the one of the witnesses makes machine tools here in the United States. Yeah. Guess what? What? They've paid over fifteen million in additional tariffs <gasps> on the huge gray iron castings that they use for machine bases. Guess what? We don't cast in the U.S. that big. Wow. Have to, have to bring it in. Have to bring it in. Yeah. There's no capacity here. Guess what? Still pay the tariff. Still a tariff. Who are we protecting if there's nobody here making it? Right. Why are we protecting one company that can only make a third of the market demand at best? Yeah. And penalizing everybody else for the other two. I, it's... You know, I'm glad I'm not in government, Carly. I, I can totally understand why you can't finish your sentences. There's no way to finish some of these sentences. There, there's, there's really not. And, and the point you made about parts, okay? Mm -hmm. So here's, here's the really insidious thing about this whole tariff deal. They put the tariff on the material, so it makes it more expensive for us to make stuff over here. But they didn't put a tariff on finished parts coming in from over there. Oh my gosh. So if they'd have just put the tariff on the goods coming in, then we could compete by making stuff with our own materials. You're right. Right. So I just had a Eureka moment. You're right. Yeah. So tariffs are on the wrong thing. So I I actually feel like I failed. I mean, I communicated I my points. That's true. I know I, you may feel I, that way. But I made I my points. I, I'm telling you, it was like I'm, <laughs> I'm just. I tried. I really tried, but I mean, there was just a lot of murk, murky stuff and yeah. conflicting. Absolutely simultaneously 
mutually opposite stuff and <laughs> well just, just you know i i know you're feeling like you failed but you you worked incredibly hard i watched you to get this testimony to eight minutes and you did it i mean come on miles this is a very cool thing well, <laughs> that you did it, well, and and you were our voice you were our industry's voice and that's what we promise our members and you delivered well <laughs> i did but I don't know if the porch thieves stole the box off, <laughs> off, off, off the WebEx or not, but uh, it, it's important, okay? So representing our members effectively is important. Uh, Omar and the team at the Franklin Partnership helped us craft the testimony, helped us prepare the facts. We've done surveys. We, we you know, we've really done our best to present what the impact has been on our industry, on our customers, on the men and women who are making these parts that make a difference. We, we communicated it, but I'm telling you, there's a lot of other people communicating too, and they're communicating an entirely different message. Well, they can talk, but they're not shutting us up. So you did your best, which is all anybody can ask for, and you have absolutely no idea what kind of impact you had, and I'm sure, because Miles, you have convinced many people of many things over the years that I'm sure you made an impact. I'm, I'm not worried about that at all. I'm incredibly proud to call you co-worker because what you did was phenomenal. Well, I, I, I thank you for your confidence. Um, all I can say is, um, you know, there's, without a challenge, I mean, you'd just be bored. That's true. <laughs> I'm not bored. <laughs> That's true. Well, and, and this isn't over yet, right? No. I mean, so no. do you so, even know what happens next? Uh, we'll probably do a post-testimony brief. Okay. I mean, there's, uh, there's a, an entire protocol. There were some uh, queries they had about impact and, and facts and, you know, how much of your cost, without getting into proprietary, how much of your cost is represented by material and so, so they can kind of backflow. I mean, the, the USITC has been tasked, they've got to get a report to Congress on the impact. And so they've got to listen to us, they've got to listen to the pipe guys, they've got to listen to the concrete pipe guys, they've got to listen to the Beer Institute, which was a great testimony to listen to, right? You know, <laughs> guess who? What's their biggest, biggest economic risk? I don't know. Sheet aluminum for cans. Oh, I good mean, point. You know, can, I mean, how much is the water in beer? Not much. How much is the wheat in beer? Not much. How much is a can? Yeah. Right? I mean, so, I mean, they're listening to everybody. Which, I'm glad they do. Absolutely. Yeah. But, I mean, they've got, I mean, you talk about calculus. You got to integrate a lot of stuff on on this test. I mean, everybody. I mean, they've got two more days of this. Wow, wow. Two more days of this. I was pleased to be on the first day, second <laughs> panel. But, um, yeah. So, so the PMPA government affairs. You know, we have, you know, support of the Franklin Partnership. We fund and support the Coalition of American Metal Manufacturers and Users. And um, they had other witnesses, you know, testifying as well. And you know what? 
we all did our best, but that's right. And we're, it's we're a not WebEx. done talking. It's a WebEx. Right. <laughs> that's all right. I think you did a great job, and we all appreciate you representing our members in our industry. Well, that wraps up today's podcast on my testimony at the U.S. ITC. Thank you for joining us. For additional information, please visit pmpa.org, where you can also search for articles, webinars, podcasts, and other resources. Yes, and don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast because you don't want to miss one. If you aren't already taking advantage of PMPA membership, be sure to check out pmpa.org to see all we have to offer. And why is a PMPA membership important, Carly? Because we are better together. Don't forget to join us next Monday on Speaking of Precision, Monday with Miles.